Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Got the elders meeting all wrapped up. Well, was it, well, it wasn't an elders meeting. Yeah, it was. No, it, wasn't. it was a specific kind of elders no, no, meeting. It was the elders member care and prayer meeting. Nope. Yes. Nope. No meeting. Dummy. Nope. It's an elders meeting. It's just nope. we're not dealing with business. We're only praying. Elders meetings for us are... Every always, other week, all yeah, every other week, we always pray together. Um, we're go, we have a devotional time, and we go yep. through business and issues and stuff like that. And then we pray for a few people, a few members right. of the congregation every time. But then uh, we schedule it out though, so that some of our meetings are ju- nothing but going through the directory and praying specifically for families by name, the individuals in those families, and the needs that we're aware of that need to be met. It's a good yeah. time. I like. Yeah, it. it doesn't take over one of the regularly scheduled. It's an added. Right. Yeah. 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 So. So we still have an elders meeting next week. We had mm. one last week. So this one. Uh, I don't think we need to do that. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. Yes, we just, absolutely. We one. No, don't worry. Who huh? cares? What's the what difference? What's the difference? Because there's a lot of stuff we got to get done. That's fine. No, that, see, that's why yeah. things don't get done. It's not like we're going to three services or something. We are. Oh, are we doing <laughs> that? that? Well, it, oh. yeah, we, we discussed I, it last week. Did we really? Yes, we did. I was on Facebook. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we always catch you on your phone. <laughs> Stop it. I'm all into <laughs> on, it. On the Instagrams, on the grams of Insta. On the, on the Twitters. On the Twitters, trying yep. to chop it up with- uh, Geno's East. Geno's East. Yep. Man, all right, you had them good today. Well, that was pretty good. You got to put they, a screenshot. You're they, not going to because you're going to forget. They, but you should put that up. Gino's, they tried to be like Wendy's, but they were not. No, no. Well, first of all, they yeah, yeah pick a fight with me on Twitter. That ain't going to happen. Mm. Come on. So, uh, so yeah, man, it's nice. We get to hang out now. Got the elders thing wrapped up. Mm. Just chilling and uh, going to talk 1689, but looking forward to it all day. There we go. So why don't you go ahead and read that? We're in chapter 11. Chapter 11. Paragraphs 1 and 2. Now, it's not your first time in Chapter 11. Uh, it is my first time. Now, it's not my family's for extended family. There's been some Chapter 11 involved in mm. my family's past. Gotcha, But gotcha. do we really want to get into family business, Jimmy? So go ahead. Chapter 11, mm, Paragraph 1 thought. and 2. Those whom God effectually calls, he also freely justifies, not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins and by accounting and accepting their persons as righteous, not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but for Christ's sake alone. Not by imputing faith itself, the act of believing, or any other evangelical obedience to them as their righteousness, but by imputing Christ's active obedience under the whole law and passive obedience in his death for the whole and sole righteousness by faith. Which faith they have not of themselves, it is the gift of God. So Boom. I mean, the you know the, the the cardinal doctrine of the Christian faith is the way I think Martin Luther put it. Uh, we hit this a lot at Redeemer, the yeah. doctrine of justification. Um, it's it such is, a beautiful doctrine. It's liberating. It's freeing. It is of the essence of salvation. And too many people don't know what it is. Too many Christians, too many evangelicals, too many Baptists couldn't define the doctrine of justification. In fact um, – it, it was a pretty influential thing. Before I knew what the White Horse Inn radio show was, yeah. I was listening. I was a brand new Christian, and so I'm listening to all of these Christian radio. But at night, uh, White Horse Inn would come on. And so I remember listening to it, and these guys were just quizzing Christians out after at a big conference. And they were asking, like, hey, can you, uh, can you define the doctrine of justification? And nobody could do it. Hmm. And I remember thinking, 
I don't know what the doctrine of justification is either. Like, oh. what are we talking about? I'm a new Christian. I need yeah. to figure this stuff out. Have you figured it out yet? Uh, no, that's why we're reading the 1689. Oh, okay, good. Tell. Okay, I didn't know if you wanted to define yeah, the well, doctrine of justification for us. Yeah, the, we, we hit this a lot at Redeemer because I really do want to have our people have a, 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 a robust enough understanding of salvation that justification is clear. And when we talk about justification, typically – we, uh, we break it down in, into two sections, right? Justification is made up of the forgiveness of our sins yep. and the imputation of Christ's righteousness mm. uh, to us. So our, our sins are forgiven, our, our guilt is removed, but we still lack righteousness. The other part of justification is the imputation, not the infusing, right? But the imputation oh. of Christ's righteousness so that we are legally declared to be right in the eyes of God not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And that's what paragraph one is all about. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that difference there between imputing and infusing, right? Because I'm not sure a lot of people would. They, I think yeah. when we talk about like what people may not know or like they don't know, they don't know how to define justification. Right. I think sometimes people, without saying it, like they won't say, you know, I, I believe in infusion. Right. But the way they talk, right. eh, that, that sounds like some yeah. Roman Catholicism, some some infusing right there. Right, right, right. And you know who's really into the infusing are all those people that are into like those uh, those essential oils. They get oh, the oh infuser. Gosh. They get the infuser. Oh, and man. They put the or oil anyone in that there. vapes or vaping, has vapes vaping. or bought a vape. Yeah, exactly. Those are the people. Mm. So, um, all right. So it says, those whom God effectually calls. We've already talked about that. Listen to our previous episodes on effectual calling. He also freely justifies... And so that effectual calling is the is the is the the work of God in us that causes us to be born again. That internal call that we've been talking about mm-hmm. in chapter ten, and the 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 consequence of that is faith, and what comes from faith is God's justifying work. So uh, He also freely justifies not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins and accounting and accepting their persons as righteous. So the difference is that uh, an infusion of righteousness is a putting of practical righteousness into an individual so that they are now living differently, right? They, there is a, is a, a kind of righteousness worked in them experientially that you can see. Mm-hmm. And this is more the Roman Catholic uh, concept of, of, of an infused righteousness. Um, and it's not that, that God doesn't bring about righteousness in us. That is, True, he does that, but that's the doctrine of sanctification, and we need to keep that separate yeah. from the doctrine. And, of and, and if I forgive me if I'm wrong, now this here's my you know me asking a question, like when that idea of infusion, there's almost this connotation of synergistic righteousness, right? It's it's yeah. the Holy Spirit, God's infusing itself upon man's obedience, and that is yeah. bringing about this righteousness. Yeah. Whereas you know when we're talking about um, you know regeneration, that's it's monergistic, mm-hmm. right? It's it's God working directly upon us, bringing about that change. Justification is God's singular act. He justifies. It's unilateral um, in that sense. And so it is not by infusing righteousness into an individual, but by here are the two parts, pardoning their sins, mm. number one, and two, by accounting and accepting their persons as righteous. Now, the question is, is okay, so if it's not by infusing righteousness, what righteousness are we talking about? He says, or it says, not for anything wrought in them or done by them, but for Christ's sake alone, not by imputing faith itself, the act of believing or any other evangelical obedience to them as their righteousness, but by imputing, there's that word, that's a, that's a legal declaration, by uh, legally declaring them to be righteous. 
by imputing Christ's active obedience under the whole law and passive obedience in his death for their whole and sole righteousness. This is a heavy chapter, Joe. Or this is a heavy paragraph. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's it's beautiful. It's good, and it hits at. Um, listen, no one experiences salvation without being justified, right? Yes, the, that is at the very core of it. And um, there are a number of passages of scripture that that speak to these doctrines, right? Both in Romans and in Philippians, where you know we see that like Paul's hope was not to have a righteousness of his own that was derived from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God, he says, uh, and and so it's 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 an alien righteousness. It's not mm. innate in me. It is something that that God grants to an individual. And it's something like you said. It's I love this where it's talking about his active obedience. So there's this this sense of. Uh, you, you and I, we can't keep the law perfectly. We know that. Like, well, and some yeah, people try every, to. Everybody knows we can't. Everyone knows it's really we can't. clear. We but guess can't. what? Those of you listening, you can't either. Yeah, it's, it's not as obvious as it is with us. Yeah, we're pretty, <laughs> we're pretty out there in our disobedience. We wear our disobedience on our sleeve. Yeah, we're actively disobedient. <laughs> <laughs> our active disobedience. It's our active disobedience has to be overcome by Christ's active, active obedience. obedience. Yes. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's his active obedience to to the law of God, and. uh only he, only Jesus can perfectly obey God's law. And that's something that yeah. he he actively, like he he did. It wasn't something passive. It was something uh, that that he lived out. You know, it's 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 one of the questions that that people get tripped up on sometimes is 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 a technical issue, right? So we're quick to say we are not saved by works. We are not saved by obedience. But we are saved by works. Yeah, we are saved, saved by, by obedience. Yeah, but not ours. That's right. That's that's the point. You see, your salvation still hinges on perfect compliance to the law of God, the perfect execution of the Ten Commandments. If there isn't perfect execution of the Ten Commandments, if there isn't perfect execution of God's law for you, then you are damned. Now, we, we as Jimmy already said, we cannot perfectly execute those commands, but Jesus can. He has. Mm-hmm. He's done it. And that's the basis of our standing before God. So like when you're reading in Psalm 1, right? Um, uh, oh, I don't have it in front of me. Let me let me bring it up here. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, when we're talking about that act of obedience, I think another thing, I, Shai Lin has a song, right? And where he kind of, where he talks about that, about that right. act of obedience and that justification. And so oftentimes we focus on, we focus a lot in the church on the birth of Christ. Yeah. And then we focus on the death of Christ. But what we're talking about here in justification, we're talking about the life of Christ. That's right. And that's that's an area uh, I think that we unintentionally neglect. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's that's where I love that this is hitting that, this active obedience. So you were talking mm. about Psalm 1. Yeah, I have to reinstall the app. I'm on my iPad. Oh, okay, thereby. Sorry, but, I won't bring up but, Psalm 1 so then. No, I'll, I'll, it'll come on here eventually. But um, but yeah, that's why when we define it at Redeemer, uh, it's, it's not unique to us, but we always get people to think about the gospel in terms of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. That's the gospel, right? Uh, what does the believer receive from Christ's life? What is the benefit of Christ's life? It's his righteousness. And from his death, it's the forgiveness of sins. That's right. And from his resurrection, it's, you know, it's, it's power to live a godly life and it's the hope of a resurrection in the future. So there are, there are a number of Psalms that I think hit on this. Um, and so, I mean, we can, we can look at uh, Psalm, Psalm one, but actually let me go, since like now that I got my actual, uh, now that I actually got my, uh, my app working here. Good, good. Um, so in Psalm 24, 
Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul up to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. So none of you and none right. of us. And so there's a, now, of course, there is a sense in which like David is saying this, and these are the people that stand before God with a, with a, with a clear conscience who are godly. There's, there's a sense in which, yes, we, we, this is characteristically true of the people of God who have been regenerated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are godly people. But in the, in the ultimate sense, the, the only one who has had truly perfectly clean hands and a pure heart who did not lift his soul up to what is false was Jesus. Yes. And that's, that, that's really what we're getting at here with this doctrine of justification and in this first paragraph. So imputing Christ's active obedience unto the whole law mm-hmm. and his passive obedience in his death for their whole and soul righteousness by faith. So we focus there on the the active obedience, but what about the passive obedience? And you you, you referred to it about the death of Christ and, mm-hmm. and our atonement. But- yeah, so I mean, the Reformed theology refers to Christ's active and passive obedience, right? Active in fulfilling and keeping all the law, passive in receiving the the, the condemnation, the punishment for our sins in himself. So um, in, in, in keeping the law, he's doing that for us. And in suffering for law-breaking, he's doing that for us as well. So on the cross, in fact, we actually just got um, – a question through social media, and I, I, I'm drawing a blank as to where it was, but one brother was asking, hey, did God really turn away from mm. the son? Did the father, like when Jesus was done on the cross- Yeah, I did, think that was an email. Was I, it I, an email? Yeah. Did the father really turn away? And um, he goes, I hear this all the time in the Baptist church. Yeah. And the reason you yeah. hear that all the time in the Baptist church is because uh, that is a, a simple way of describing uh, the wrath of God being poured out on the Son of God. Yeah, it's a personification, trying to make an analogy so that we yeah. we have a better understanding. And we see that when Christ cries out, like you know, he's referring to God as Father th- throughout the whole of his life. But on the cross, when he's suffering at the at the deepest part of his affliction, the wrath of God is poured out on him, and he says, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" So many times, like a lot of a lot of Baptist churches don't have the clarity that they should have on the doctrine of justification, or if they do have it, they don't teach it. They don't like, because it's doctrine. I've, I've heard pastors say, well, I can't preach doctrine and give people detailed definitions, but people love that actually. People do like definitions yeah. and it's helpful to their faith. We do it here all the time. And so that's what they're getting at there is that when Christ suffered uh, passively, the, the wrath of God, it was, yeah, you could say in a general sense, well, God was turning away, but it was actually more than that. Mm. It wasn't him turning away like, he, let, me, let me say what it isn't. It isn't him looking away from Jesus like he can't bear to look. It's not him going yeah. like, oh, that's too much. Oh, yeah. I can't see that. Or or forget about you. Yeah. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. No, he was he was judging the son on behalf of sinners. And that was the agreement that the father and the son had in the covenant of redemption. Yeah. So we have the active obedience. We've got the passive obedience. And and this is for our whole and soul righteousness by faith. So there's yeah. nothing else here. That is that's what right. our faith, uh, that's what our righteousness by faith, uh, or our righteousness is is clinging to, is the passive obedience and the uh, active obedience of Christ. And we believe that, and we trust in that, and we re- we receive that by faith. And and this is important because our confidence before God is never in our own practical righteousness. No. Now. There, there needs to be practical righteousness, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to see that later on. There is going to be. Well, you're going to, oh, there oh going, you third use of the yeah, law. I know, I know. Here you a, go. You're showing your colors early. It's uh, it's my anti-Chavidian theology. Yeah, I'm about to say, Tulian's not going to be happy with you. Um, so this is, um, 
this is our confidence before God at, at any given time. Not that I am good, but that Christ is good. That, that is my soul righteousness before the face of God. Anything that comes after that is not for my salvation. It does not, uh, it does not uh, secure God's love for me or his benefits for me. Uh, his love and benefits are secured for Christ's righteousness. So that's really what they're getting at there in, and, in that section. And it's by faith. We receive that by faith, which though, hold on, which faith they have not of themselves. Yeah. So it says faith. It's it, we you know we have this righteousness by faith, but that's not our own faith. It is a gift of God. Where does it say that in the Bible, Jimmy? Oh, what do you mean? Where does, where, where does it say that faith is not from us, but it's a gift? Uh, I don't know. John John one twelve. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But also Romans five seventeen. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man. Christ Jesus. Right. And a lot of you know, like Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9, right? This is sort of the the, the standard classic. Um, Jimmy didn't go there because he knows you guys already know it, but I want to read it anyways. Mm, oh, please. Thank you. <laughs> For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is Such not your friend. own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. I felt like that was redundant, but thank you. It's, it's obvious. It's, it's obvious. so obvious. Obviously. Oh, obviously. Everybody obviously. knows Ephesians 2, 8, 9. <laughs> it's funny. When I, was, when I was a new Christian, I had been a Christian maybe a couple of months at the most. And this one brother comes over and he goes, so, so what are you reading in the Bible? And I go, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading straight through it. I'm just reading it all the time. And he's like, okay, I want to give you some verses to look at. I want you to look at these verses and try to understand them in context. So he, gave, he took a, 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 a spiral notebook and he filled that one page with nothing but scripture verses that he had memorized or at least he knew the addresses of. And he's like, look at these verses because these are important verses in scripture. Uh, now, which is a dangerous thing to do is just to give an, an, a sort of a verse out of context to a new believer. Mm-hmm. But he knows I'm reading the Bible all the time. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 was at the top of that list. It was one of those first mm. verses that I, I got to learn. See, I knew... Our listeners are, are, you know, beyond that, Joe. Well, that's baby stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to get beyond the gospel to the deep things, <laughs> right? You got to get yes. beyond the gospel to yeah, like- to, to the social aspect to, to of the it. social justice aspects of it. <laughs> or the anti-social, <laughs> or whatever. The anti-social, all you whichever people, one. All you, I know, here we all go. All you people, oh my gosh, can everybody chill? No, well, you know what? Maybe we can you know, maybe talk about not being distracted on our next episode. All right, we'll do that. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do that in the next, we'll, we'll record two. We'll do this. Then we're going to talk about people like, okay, so the social don't, don't, justice. Don't be distracted. Let, let, let me just say, I'm going to get distracted for a minute here. The social justice warriors and the anti-social justice warriors are annoying me. Mm, walk that me. fence, Joe. There oh we go. Oh my gosh. I'm not walking the fence. No, I'm pick, burning pick the fence. Side. I'm burning the fence down no, and I'm shooting side. everybody pick, on both sides. Pick a side. Pick a side. You can't have a third side. Oh, yeah, I do. No, no, you can't I have be a corner ra- lot. No, you cannot I, be I have rational. a corner lot. And you those cannot two- be rational uh, uh, and even keeled. No, no, no. You must pick a key side. And peel. No, even key keeled. And peel. You can't. No, you key can't. And peel. We cannot I, be keeled. We are keeled. We can't be. Yeah. No, no, no. We're the white version of key and peel. No, no, no. We, yeah, you can't You can't be even keeled, Joe. You must pick a side and burn the others. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk about that in the next episode. So this uh, this faith, which leads to our justification, mm-hmm. is a gift that God grants. We've talked about this a lot in the past, so uh, we're not going to always double down on the sovereignty of God um, in salvation. The, because the point here is that faith is a gift in that um, we would not believe apart from God's 
gracious activity in our lives. It is a gift in that it stems from a heart that he renewed, right? So if he didn't change our heart and renew it, if he didn't regenerate us, then faith would not be there. Therefore, faith is a gift of God. By the way, God also says throughout scripture that he's the one who grants not only faith, but grants repentance. Mm. Uh, We could say that all of God's saving graces and all the graces that accompany salvation are all gifts that come from God. In fact, that kind of leads us into paragraph two. Paragraph two. Faith, thus receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness, is the alone instrument of justification, yet is not alone in the person justified, but is ever accompanied with all other saving graces and is no dead faith, but works by love. That's a good paragraph, man. 1689, 11-2. That's a good tattoo mark. Oh, well, you to get that on you should get you should get a tattoo. I know. You get, you get, it's been a while. You it's been a while, I know. Yeah. And then Carl's coming out. And we got we got tattoo artists here at the church now. We're mm-hmm. all set, man. Come on. So all right, let's just walk through this. Um so faith thus resting receiving and resting on Christ as his and his righteousness. So what is what are we trusting in, right? So faith is not just this this um I don't know, this general kind of uh I believe that there is a God. God or like I believe that Jesus is God's son. It receives Christ as Lord, right? John 1. It receives Jesus and it rests upon Christ and his righteousness. So one of the things that we talk about at Redeemer, particularly in our membership class, which we call orientation, is we talk about faith and how faith, if you you want to get maybe a deeper understanding of what faith is and how it works, we say that it's made up of three parts, right? It's made up of knowledge, assent, and trust. Oh, yeah. For, Go through that. For somebody to have saving faith in Christ, you first must have knowledge, right? So you, you have to have something to believe in. You have to, there, there is an object of your faith. Yeah. And so uh, we like we can we often, and this is not original to us, but people oftentimes liken it to something like a chair. Right now, I'm sitting in a Bertolini church chair mm. uh, that we have for the sanctuary. Of course, I have a couple in my office so that we can sit here and record. Um, People can look at a well, chair. Well, my office. Uh, yeah, you wish. Yeah, you, my this, office. This office is so swanky. You wish it was your office. No, this is my office. Yeah. So um, it's funny. You don't have any books in here. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this, it's funny. This room never has a pastor in here. Yeah, it does right now. Using it. That's two. Yeah. 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 Only when I'm around. Yeah. When I you're come in, you, I come in. When? I, to grab books. See, and then you, I leave. You're hardly ever in here. I know. Why would <laughs> I want to be in here? So... <laughs> A person can look at a chair and and have knowledge. Okay, that's a chair. I know it's a chair because it has four legs. It's got mm-hmm. a seat. It even has a little back. So I can sit on that thing. I, I, I understand what it's for. We have knowledge. So we have knowledge of Christ, right? We we have been taught. We have been instructed. Who is Jesus? He's not just some preacher or prophet. He is the Son of God who came to die for the sins of, of the world. So we can have knowledge, but knowledge of something, having the facts, that's not faith. The demons yeah. have knowledge. Yeah, right. They the, know that Jesus is the Son of God. The devils have that, and lots of people have knowledge that don't have saving faith. So knowledge is one part of it, but so is assent, right? In other words, an agreement with those facts um, to say that I, I affirm that 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 knowledge that has been imparted to me is truth. Like it's 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 you're willing to say like I believe this is accurate. I believe this is true. So if we go back to the chair, you look at the chair. You can say like look at the way Bertolini makes the legs of that chair. How like the they're really thick and they're bent really well. Like so they're not gonna they're not gonna buckle on you. So you can have knowledge that it's a chair that is made to hold your weight, and you can have a scent that would say it will hold my weight. If I were to sit in that chair, it wouldn't collapse underneath me. Mm. But that's still not saving faith. In fact, my mom for years when I was sharing the gospel with her, she would say things like. Joey, I believe that what you say about Jesus is true. I think you're right. I think Jesus is God's son. He died on the cross for sins. And if you believe in him, 
you will not perish, but have everlasting life. She goes, I believe that's true. I believe you're right. But, but then she said, but I don't believe. Mm. I don't have faith like you have faith. And she didn't mean because my faith is so great. She understood there's still something missing. There's something yeah. wrong. And that last element is trust. And trust is a resting upon the object, right? So back to the chair. It's not just knowledge. I know what it is. It's not just a scent. I believe it will hold me in some sort of abstract sense. Uh, trust puts the butt on the chair and you rest upon it entirely. So this is what it means to rest on Christ and his righteousness, that I no longer trust in myself, that I wholly trust in Jesus' active and passive righteousness to save me from my sin and to make me acceptable to God. It, 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 it's an answer of the question, why would God smile upon me instead of damn me? And the only reason is because Christ has died for my sins, he's lived for my righteousness, and I trust in him alone. And so, Joe, I mean, along with that, though, it says here, yet is not alone in the person justified, but is ever accompanied with all other saving graces and is no dead faith, but works by love. This is really good because one of the things that was, I, I think it was repeated, I don't know, quite so neatly during the Reformation, but I, I think so. I don't, I don't have the quote in front of me, but um, I think it was Luther who said something along the lines of, uh, we are justified by faith alone, but a faith that justifies is never alone itself, right? Yeah, that, exactly. So, yes, um, we are made right with God. We are put at peace. We are reconciled to God by faith alone. But faith is never exists in a person uh, isolated from all the other saving graces, which would include things like repentance, mm. um, you know, conviction, love, joy, peace, patience. Think of the fruit of the spirit, yeah. right? They're accompanied with those things. It's not a dead faith. What's a dead faith? Uh, a dead faith is, I think, one that. Well, uh, James talks about it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, you just have faith by itself, but there is no works. There right. is no uh, expression of love. There is no serving of another. There is no confession. There is no, uh, well, living by uh, living by God's law. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, John. Knowing we can't do it perfectly. I, you and yeah. I understand that our faith is not in the in the perfection of our obedience to the to the law of God, but we trust and know that God's law is good and what right. is best for us, and we live accordingly. Which includes serving and loving those around us. Right. If you don't have a faith that is producing works, then James says, well, that's not real faith. That's a dead faith. Yeah. That's a, that's not a saving faith. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a religious expression uh, of knowledge at best. Uh, the demons have that, right? Uh, the demons believe that God is one, James says, and they shudder. Like mm. they're like, Oh, that's not good. So the, the saving graces that um, that are accompanied with justification are well, they're myriad, really. There there are a number of them. So dead faith is not a faith that was once alive and now is dead. People try to press that analogy, like, well, if it's dead faith, it must have been alive. So you can have living faith and then it's dead faith. James is simply trying to make the point that uh, there are two kinds of faith, quote unquote, that people. Uh, are, are generally experiencing. There's a dead faith, right, which is a religious expression of 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 uh, of, of some sort of belief in God, yeah. but it is not a saving faith, meaning where the person where, where that faith is is emerging from a heart that's been regenerated, and it is therefore accompanied with all the other things uh, like conviction and love and joy. 
it works by love. The, a lot of you guys may be familiar with the Lordship Salvation debate that was like mm. raging in the 90s. Um, 1890s, yeah. How yeah. was that for you? <laughs> 1990s. It was like guys like Zane Hodges arguing for a free grace position and guys like John MacArthur arguing for a Lordship position. And to, to put it really simply – uh, so, like, I think Zane Hodge's famous book was, uh, I think it was called Absolutely Free or something like that. And MacArthur, of course, wrote a, a few books on it. Uh, the one that I liked the best at the time was uh, Faith Works. All right. And so Zane Hodges was essentially arguing that, listen, you can have real saving faith and have the guarantee of heaven, but not show any signs of conversion. Mm. And MacArthur was saying, no, um, real saving faith will produce fruit in some measure. Yeah, the, the fruit is – it's visible fruit. Right. The problem is is that this was really an in-house debate among dispensationalists because the Reformed have had this long, long settled. In fact, when I was reading those books, uh, that was that would have been like 93. It was the first Puritan book I ever read was Samuel Bolton's The True Bounds of Christian Freedom. It was on the law. And in that book, uh, it was just a better treatment of the law and of its place in our lives than anything that I was reading. See, in the Reformed tradition, uh, we've, we have an agreement on this, that, uh, that justification is accompanied with sanctification or is mm -hmm. accompanied by sanctification. Those that God justifies, he sanctifies, he glorifies. Now, what the confessions make really clear, and I think what scripture teaches, is that, yes, uh, Saving faith is accompanied by other graces, but it is also possible for a Christian to be backslidden, to wind up in a state where those saving graces are almost invisible, where you can't really see them. And in such cases, those persons shouldn't have an assurance of salvation. Mm -hmm. uh, in those cases, uh, we pray for those people. We plead with them to repent. And for those who are elect, for those who have been truly converted, those people will return. They will not persevere in in their backslidden state they will return and they will persevere in faith so it, it's it those are interesting books to read but there are better books to read on the subject uh than than the lordship salvation debates that were raging i don't know a few decades ago well we'd love to hear your thoughts you can follow us online instagram and twitter at doc and devo or on facebook slash doctor devotion you can head on the website drvotion.com there you can contact us you can hit up the store jofostore.com and grab some gear now joe yeah we've got a conference coming up yeah we do it's uh may 3rd and 4th there we go man may people 3rd are coming 4th. out now uh i'm i'm pumped for it i'm excited yep uh it's we're gonna, gonna we're gonna be doing some pretty uh we're gonna be doing a giveaway here are we gonna do a giveaway yep we're we gonna, first of all we're gonna be announcing pretty soon the swag oh, the swag we got some good books we got for you some guys. good books coming out mm -hmm. so we're gonna let people know but there's gonna be a a special sort of like a vacation package? No, no. Oh, I don't, I don't it's know. Like some sort of some sort of giveaway for those that are registered for the conference. So, if you are thinking about getting registered, register well, now's, now. Now's the time because we're going to do some giveaway. What's what's the giveaway? Not going to share yet. No, nope. Is nope. it like one of those things where like you win, but to collect you got to come to like a special seminar that we're going to give? No, it's nothing like that. No, no, no. Okay, no, no. Once you win, you're going to know you won because you'll get you're going to get a special email that's got chock full of some goodie for you like 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 funny gifts and stuff nope nope you'll find out oh, yeah, you know what else you know what else we got going on what's that video content oh once that you, are, you guys should have already noticed like uh put up two videos last week uh one during the week and then one on friday you can expect regular videos now uh coming from the jofo and uh, that's going to be the primary way that we're going to try to answer 
emails and social media questions and issues like that. Just short videos, you know, no more than 10 minutes, probably more like five minutes. Just uh, just giving you these little videos so that um, you can see what we're doing and we can express some of our ideas and thoughts and engage with you guys a little bit more consistently uh, in a way that's fun. So if you haven't already, um, go to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, hit that little bell so you get the alerts as, they're, as the new videos are dropping. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday, blog posts on Wednesdays, video content on Fridays. Later. Later.